Do you need treatment or surgery? There's no need to wait or travel abroad. Receive treatment at Kingsbridge Private Hospital in Belfast or Ballykelly under the Northern Ireland Planned Healthcare Scheme at potentially no cost. Why wait? Text hello to 51777 or visit kingsbridgeprivatehospital.com for further information. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. Now, good evening and welcome to Country Life here on Midlands 103. MJ Cleary with you for the next hour, bring you the latest from the Midlands and further afield from the worlds of agriculture, food and agribusiness. Now, 2nd of August and as I said, many thanks for joining me. Another week has passed and unfortunately, another week of rain. No major changes coming over the course of the next few days either. And that again is unfortunate with the bank holiday weekend coming up. But look, it is what it is, as they say. Nothing we can do about it and just go with it until a blast of good weather comes. Hopefully it's just around the corner. Now, busy lineup this evening over the course of the next hour. And if you are an acres farmer, then we have news for you. Ag consultants have been giving out about the area of acres, this scorecard area. This is where consultants have to go to the farm and take pictures of different plants and then send them into the department. So needless to say, this is taking a long time and an extension has been looked for. Noel Feeney is the president of the Ag Consultants Association and he's going to speak to me later about this. We're also going to have news on a knowledge transfer group. This is going to be worth about €750 to each farmer and that's going to come in at the back end of the year slash the start of next year and also hot off the press just as of this evening the new Suckler Cow Welfare Scheme has been announced. Uh, We felt this was going to be in around €80 a cow. It's a little under um, unfortunately it's €50 a cow not as good as what we thought but We're going to have the particulars on that as well a little bit later. So look, we're going to try and make as much money as we can on the programmes this evening. So stay tuned for all of that. Yesterday was the 1st of August and it is the traditional start of autumn and indeed the harvest. Our Celtic ancestors saw this as a hugely important time of the year and one of their sacred festivals. Lunasa, as it was called, was where our ancestors prayed to lots of gods, one of them being the god Log, to ensure a bountiful harvest. And indeed, modern harvest festivals take place throughout the world to this day. Clodagh Doyle from Country Life Museum in Castlebar will chat to me later about our ancient ritual at this time of the year. Now, we heard last week uh, about news on a national data base I should say for fertiliser this means all fertiliser sales will be tracked and linked to your herd number and with news this week that farmers in the UK will need ID to buy certain fertiliser towards the end of the year is this where we are heading here in Ireland with more on this Amy Ford from the Irish Farmers Journal will join me in a little bit also the new forestry programme we've been talking about this a lot this year it was meant to come in at the start of the year back in January as I said we're now the 2nd of August we're about 8 months late on this but it has finally been approved over in Europe and Jason Fleming from the IFA will join me this is the new forestry programme it has increased payments and longer payments for especially broadleafs and hardwoods and uh, there's lots of fine detail in it but there are certain areas which the IFA aren't happy with we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Now we're kicking off with the beef trade and we have Martin Coughlin on the line coming to us live from County Cork. Uh, Martin, how are you this evening? 
MJ, good evening. How are you? Good evening to all your listeners. Yes, I'm in Cork Airport at the moment. Uh, we're just dropping my daughter's going over to take up a position in London. She qualified from UCC in Cork there a couple of months ago and put in a lot of job applications, did a number of interviews and was successful in one. So there we are. Here you are, d- is, d- d- doing the noble life duty. Is moving on. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, Martin, we're talking about weather here on the programme for the last number of weeks. You're a Waterford man. What is the weather doing in your part of the world? We hear about the sunny southeast. Are you getting as much rain as us up here in this part of the world? Well, well, you will see the sun. It'll be reflected off uh, out of the pools of water that we have lying absolutely <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. The few times that it will come out. It has been a month of very, very poor uh, conditions, to be perfectly honest. Yes, it is mild. Yes, there, like, there, is, there is effectively no cold. Have, that said, there was only two days last week that it wasn't particularly warm. Uh, and, and that, but like... Like I wrote there two weeks ago, that I felt like when I went out uh, to look at uh, some of my stock, that it was the middle of October because ground conditions were that poor. Yeah, very similar to us. Now you're yeah. uh, you're well known for writing on the farming Indo. Yesterday you had a headline on it at the front page, yes, uh, Martin, and the, the the headline was "Quality of Factory Cattle Decline." to 10-year low. Interesting piece, this. Mm. And uh, yeah, probably no surprise really if you're following the cattle trade that the quality is at a 10-year low. No, the numbers of the dairy stock have actually gone up, obviously, as we all know. The numbers of the suckler stock and suckler dairy or suckler cows have actually fallen. So it's it's pretty, pretty obvious. Um, the, the, the the suckler stock are being watered down through the, the, over, the overall numbers. But what I did find surprising was that the number of 10-year lows, the our uh, great heifers are 10-year 10, 10 low percentage-wise. The R grade steers the same. U grade, U grade bulls at a ten year low, and then worryingly, sixty point four percent of the cull cows that were slaughtered uh, in twenty twenty two were of a P grade. Now that means, in theory, when you look at it, that upwards of sixty percent of uh, the replacement heifers and uh, other stock in the country are going to come from a mother who's P grade. And let's be honest, it take it takes two to make the calf. They have the bull as well. It doesn't matter how good the bull is, if the cow is going to be of a lesser quality. Um, I think it's important what the government have done in relation to the suckler cow um, scheme. You said there was it sixty euros a head. Yeah, is fifty. Just announced this evening, man. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that is obviously that is obviously a help. Um, now. But I, I think there's a, like a far more fundamental issue here going on. I did find it significant. I mean, I got replies from the ICMSA, from Chagas, from Board Bia, and from the ICSA. Now, I sent exactly the same emails to Meat Industry Ireland and the IFA. Now, uh, to be honest, uh, I was very surprised that I didn't get some reaction from either of those organisations, but I didn't. And... It's a bit, it's a bit worrying. Like when you, when you have like Meat Industry Ireland and then the the IFA, which is basically the largest uh, farm organisation in the country, deciding that we do, we don't need to comment on this particular fact. That the statistics show that the quality of the cattle being produced in the country, as I said, is at a ten-year low. That I, I, that I would that I would be concerned about. Yeah, I see in your article, Des Morrison, who has spoken here in the program a number of times from the ICMSA, he says that the the grid needs to be changed around to reflect the reality of the amount of dairy cattle coming through. Mm. It's a, it's a it is a fair point. 
it is, but I, I, I received a text message from uh, a farmer who I would actually know uh, from County Wexford who was involved in the, the suckler uh, side of it, and he asked a very relevant question. He said he asked me to ask Des Morrison, well, would you explain to me exactly what it is that you want? Yeah. You know, in, relation, in, in relation to, like, what sort of pricing system do you want if you don't want the grid? Yeah, no, I, and again, when when a, a point like that is put out there, I suppose you have to think about the, the logistics of it. The other question about this as well, Martin, is, look, while the quality of cattle has gone down, um, the mm. the factories aren't complaining, I suppose. Uh, yeah, precisely. Yeah, so uh, it's playing into their hands. And there's a lot of dairy stock out there. They are still being reared and they are going through the system. So it's, yeah. kinda, it's working, if you will. And then if it, there is yeah, a sucker farmer it, it, who wants to go and really breed quality, quality stock, like there's nothing stopping him or her doing that. So that's mm. the other side of the coin, you know? Yeah, well, that, no, that's the thing. But you, you have to ask, like, in relation to a factory, like, slaughtering cattle, they are better off if they're slaughtering reasonably good O-grade cattle, like O-process or R-grade cattle, obviously, because the efficiency of that particular carcass is far higher than your P-grade or your lesser O-grade animal. The other thing about it as well is that we have an awful lot of Hereford and Angus. The Angus in particular, in particular tend to be a very light carcass. They're, like I, had, I have looked at some of the figures in relation to uh, carcass weights in the last couple of years and last year did see, a de- yet again, a decline in, in the carcass weights. Now, off the top of my head, I can't tell you whether or not they reached a 10-year low, but they are lower than what they were. And that is partly due to the the, the uh, number of lighter carcasses that are coming in from the dairy side and the and the decline in uh, the better quality beef that we were traditionally be, uh, breeding in in the country. There has to be a real serious conversation about like what it is we actually want to do in this country in relation to farming. And one of the things that we haven't done is we've never devised an overall policy to state exactly what. Do, do you want the Irish farmers to do? We've created a completely lopsided uh, farming model in this country that is built entirely, more or less, around dairying at this stage. And everything else then has to fit in around that. Mm. Yeah, that and is... I, I don't, I don't, I fundamentally don't, like, don't agree with that. It's put, it is, I know this is going off the topic, but it is put pressure on everybody from uh, the man who wants to rear a few sucklers or the tillage man who needs to rent ground or the man with sheep or um, who maybe has to rent a bit of ground as well. It's all about daring. We don't have an overall a coherent policy. Okay, I think Martin. That, I think I think Martin. That's that's the issue that uh, that's coming to uh, coming to pass now at the moment. But look, that's probably a conversation for another uh, evening. No, just yes, just, yes, yes. just on the Mart trade. When I have you, uh, your ringside states that Mart prices ease back as wet weather dampens farmer buyer enthusiasm. Which look again mm. is no is no surprise. Mart trade is back, no question about it. Over the course of the last few weeks, what's the appetite like at the rings around the country, Martin? It, the, the appetite is not bad, to be perfectly honest, last week, because although uh, the farming app, farmer appetite was a bit less, there were still a lot of bigger buyers and feeders and things like that, uh, lads, out there. I mean, the defining statement from last week came from a factory agent who told me that, um, oh God, it's, it's gone out of my head now, and I had, I had it in, in the pieces right at the very, very end. Um, 
where he said, yes, you couldn't protect farmers from themselves when they go to the mart, uh, like with, with what they pay, irregardless of what factory prices are. Because there is, there was a share of that going on over the last couple of weeks, where you were getting your reasonably good bullock back up again uh, around three euros a kilo. And the economics of that, when you looked at the factory side and prices were falling, and this week they were at 465 to 470, right? Um, and I'm told that uh, quotes for next week will now be 460 and 465, back another five cents. I said last week or in, or in the paper on Tuesday that I felt that the, the speed at which the cuts were coming were, was actually increasing. It, it was kind of a case of that you'd be quoted a price on Monday, then uh, it might be changed by Wednesday. And if it wasn't changed by Wednesday, it was definitely changed by Friday. Well, that is the yeah, worrying thing, uh, Martin, and you, did, you alluded to it there, uh, bullet quotes that did yeah, to 460 there, there is, I, yeah, I, I just, I'm going to say this as well. I cannot understand how Irish farmers have not created some bit of a hubbub about, like, what's actually going on. The, like, the amount the cattle price has actually fallen. The fact that for, I don't know what they are this week or uh, at the moment in relation to the difference in the price here in Northern Ireland. I said in the paper about a month ago, I couldn't understand why the farm organisations uh, the IFA in particular, didn't ask get questions asked in the Dáil. Why on the same island of uh, island that we live on, that north of a geographical line around the six counties, you could get €200 Euros more for your R-grade steel than what you would get in the south? And nobody thought to ask this, publicly ask this question. Like, But then again, the IFA didn't respond to the questions I asked um, about basically the grid because I did ask specifically whether or not there needed to be a review actually of the grid and has the grid contributed to the fall off in uh, um, in grades as, as as well because we've gone from a situation that just prior to the introducing of mechanical grading in 2004 where about 52 percent 51 to 52 percent of the cattle of the steers killed in the country were of an R grade nature, right? We're now at less than 30%, I think it's 29 point something percent. And I'm going, there's nobody watching what's going on here. Like, we used to be a very good quality production uh, country for, for, for cattle. We are far less so now than what we were 10, 15 years ago. And the figures prove it. And finally, Martin, just on lamb, uh, sheep prices, lamb prices, again, bad news for sheep farmers. Yeah, 20 cent not, off lamb not quotes. Going this, well. Yeah, not, not going well at all. Uh, uh, another, no. another 20 cent off uh, lamb quotes this yeah. week. Yeah, down to, I think, 6.30. I don't have the figures here in front of me, but I think it's the quotes are now around 6.30, which would probably turn itself into 6.50 and money to 6.70. Um, that's about like that's about the size of it. But the reality is, for a lot of uh, people in the lamb thing, the lamb thing is very very cyclical. When Ramadan was was over, you could make the prediction that prices were going to fall from from then more or less into into September before they may start to to actually recover again. But uh, what do like what do what do farmers farmers do with it? The one thing I would say this is that the factors are going on about like that there isn't a demand for for uh, sheep meat. I don't believe that for one instant that there isn't a demand. They're choosing, in my opinion, to make as much money as they possibly can, which is fair enough, and they're able to they're they're able to uh, make it to to actually make it work. But again, it's a case of like 
should the farm organisations or should somebody else like just delve into the figures just to see exactly what their profits actually are? I know I know these companies don't publish their profits, but um, can we can we not like? As a, as a country with the technology we have, the education system we have, like myself, yourself, we're not really any more aware of how the processing side works than what our grandfathers and I, were. And I, I suppose, Martin, that's, that's, go, that's going to be the job for one of the jobs for the food regulators going to sort out all of these issues. But again, story for another uh, evening. We're going to leave you back to Cork yeah. Airport, Martin, and we're going to say many thanks for joining me here in the programme. Good meal, Margot. Thank you very much. Uh, Martin Coughlin there with a roundup on prices this week and also his headline article yesterday about quality falling. Well, there's no question about that. You wouldn't have to be too involved in the cattle trade to see the quality of cattle diminishing over the course of the, the last number of years. I especially noticed in the last four or five years uh, with calf rearing, it's see calves are getting poorer and poorer year on year. And I suppose that's why we're bringing in the likes of the DBI, the Dairy Beef Index, uh, trying to increase breeding standards and whatnot, because, look, it really needs to occur. Just Adam Woods was on last week. He was talking about beef prices. He said if you have a small number of animals to go to the mart, it's absolutely bang on. Do not go to the factory with a small number of animals at that price. I was looking at Burr on Ringside on Monday, and I saw a cow come in, 620 kilo cow, and she went for €1,590. That is two fifty-six a kilo for a cow, uh, which is just absolutely crazy money. Now, she was a young animal uh, and whatnot, but still, in comparison to what you get in the factory, it is not even on the same planet. So, uh, mart all day long for a small number of stock, or even a large number of stock, because at the end of the day, you can see what you're getting. If you don't like it, you can bring them home. Once they go to the factory, that's it. They are done. But uh, bad news on factory prices this week. And I was talking to uh, a man who worked in a mart back about six, seven weeks ago. And he said the factories had their eye on 450 and he was bang on because that's where it seems to be that they want the price to go. And I, I can't really see the logic in this because that is below cost. And unless they want people to get out of beef farming, which it looks like they do, that's the only reason you're going to drop the beef price to that figure. Uh, now, coming up after the break, we are going to be talking about the schemes. So we're going to be talking about Acres, this new Suckler scheme, and also a knowledge transfer uh, programme, which has been announced for the end of the year. So stay tuned for that. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw, Burlington Business Park, Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. We're moving on to different ag schemes now and we have Noel Feeney, President of the Ag Consultants Association. Noel, many thanks for joining me on the programme this evening. Good evening, MJ, and good evening to your listeners. How are things? Uh, we're good, Noel, and we have a few different areas we want to pop around to this evening. One of them is the Acres Scheme, and that was the, the main reason I was getting you on the programme. But just before we came on, the lead story on tomorrow's Farmer's Journal is about the new Suckler Cow Scheme. And it is reported, now this is probably not completely set in stone yet, but according to tomorrow's journal, it's reported that it's going to be €50 Euro per cow. That's going to be divided from a €35 Euro a cow payment for feeding meal to calves and a €15 Euro, uh, payment for testing for IBR. So €50 Euro a cow for the suckler scheme. No more details on it yet, Noel. Bit disappointed, I would say. Suckler farmers probably thought they were going to get maybe 70 or 80 I believe they thought they would get 70 or 80. Of course, MJ, that's the replacement scheme for the beep. That was the meal feeding and the way in there for the last number of years, which is now incorporated in the new suckler carbon efficiency scheme. So, look, it's a bit disappointing. 50 seems a bit low. Um, 
look at, as I say, the meal feeding and the um, vaccination part of it. There will be a cost to the vaccination part, I would presume. Yeah, absolutely, Noel. And uh, look, we'll have more on that as the weeks progress. In relation to acres, this has been the big one over the last few weeks, uh, Noel. And uh, I spoke to you last week and you weren't a happy man. You're out in the middle of a field trying to take pictures of some sort of uh, flora and fauna out in the middle of a field and you were trying to upload it on an app and things were going wrong and people were getting worried that if all this wasn't done that their acres uh, payment was going to be delayed. Can you just give us a bit of background? What's going on with this acres thing, uh, Noel, please? Well, I suppose, MJ, I wasn't the only advisor running into those problems. But look, at, um, about three weeks ago, um, the Agricultural Consultants Association um, sent in a document to the department and to the minister. And in that document, um, we looked for an extension to the scoring um, beyond the end of August, based on the fact that the app wasn't working properly, especially in areas of low coverage. Look at the West Coast, the West Coast and areas like Leitrim, Donegal, Sligo, going into Mayo, Connemara, all from there, areas of low coverage, significant problems there. I have members ringing me every day and still continue to ring me every day that their, their connectivity and they have to leave the farm and start their phone up and start the app again. So we, we detailed all that to the department. We also had lost time as well because the app was supposed to be up and running by the 15th of June. All advisors were to be trained um, by the 15th of June. Most advisors weren't trained until towards the last week of June, MJ. So look, we're buying back that month. We wanted that month back for a start. Um, look, at, um, the minister announced the, the extension to the, to the scoring um, until the end of till the end of September last Friday. We are delighted. Um, it's given a bit of breathing space because there's tremendous pressure out there, MJ. Uh, the penalties are stiff and um, the penalties, I'm hoping, will be reviewed as well. But look at MJ, it's great that you get the extension, but those issues, especially in the bad connectivity areas, are still ongoing. And just to be clear, Noel, is this for everybody whose acres are, is this something you elect in acres that you're going to get a payment for the different plants that are on the yeah. farm? That's a very good question, MJ. No, it's not for everyone that's in acres. If you remember, MJ, there was two entry methods into acres. There was general acres and then there was CP, the cooperation zones. And um, they were pre-fixed and predetermined. So look at, um, in the general areas, we had extensive grassland. A lot of people would have gone for that. But there was also an option of low-intensive grassland where you may, where, where the flowers would be found that would be on the poor ground, the wetter ground, ground that didn't get any fertiliser, hadn't been sprayed in the recent number of years. Advisors would have put those grounds in for it to be scored. Um, I believe most of them are scored at the minute. The, um, the other option then was if you're in a CP area, you had no option but to go into CP and your land has to be scored. And as I say, mainly in the western areas and there's where the issues are in general. Uh, finally, Noel, we are talking about a knowledge transfer scheme. There was um, word on this in the last period of time, but there's not much on it yet. So these knowledge transfer groups, farmers join, they go to a number of meetings and they get a payment. I believe the payment €750. Euro. Is there any more news on this? When will people be able to apply for this, Noel, or is that uh, too soon to talk about it yet? Well, I suppose knowledge transfer came into being in 2016. We had three years of it, 2016, 2017, 2018. Um, farmers received €750 for attending five meetings and the advisors received money for for doing paperwork. Now, that money has not changed. We did lobby strongly for that money to be increased for farmers and advisors. Now we have have eight meetings, minimum eight meetings to attend by farmers. We have a one-to-one meeting as well. That will be nine meetings. 
and we have a set, set, um, a set repertoire of topics to discuss. Mandatory ones include health and safety, biodiversity, water quality. So again, um, it's, it's, there's a lot of effort going to be put into here by farmers and advisors to get this over the line. It's open to advisors at the minute to apply to farm groups. I think that's closing in around the middle of September. The department then will train up advisors and will give us, I think, until the end of December to actually form our groups to get the names and the people onto the groups. So again, I would expect that uh, anyone doing KT, they'll start up January, February 24, MJ. Uh, very good. There'll be a few pounds to be earned out of this though, Noel, for the ag consultants. And look, you're busy uh, people, but you, you you need to create income as well, no more than anyone else. But um, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be um, well um, received by ag consultants, won't it? It's really, yeah. Uh, look, as I say, we were looking for an increase in fur farmers because like, costs have gone up. We're running, we have to hire in venues, MJ, etc. And um, costs have gone up. But look, it'll be demand-led. If farmers want us to do um, those that KT within advisors then there'll be a market for it. Um, as I say, it's a huge commitment for both parties, eight meetings, a huge commitment. Yeah, I'm just looking at it, 750 euro, so seven meetings would be just over 100 euro a meeting, eight meetings is going to be just under it, nine eights or 72, we're going to be talking about what, about 85 euro a meeting. Uh, yeah, I suppose at, when you break it down like that, like it's, it's not fantastic, five uh, for 750 would make more sense but look it's one of those things it, it, it is what it is and it'll be up to farmers to see whether they want it or not isn't that it? Correct yeah well it'll, it'll be farmer led if, if farmers you know they'll be contacting their advisors and if they want to partake well then obviously um, the advisor will try and accommodate them uh, we'll have to wait and see obviously we haven't spoken to any farmers uh, yet we, we, we just are, we're just registering our own names to be KT advisors and we'll see what happens after that yeah, very good. Noel, many thanks for joining me this evening. You're welcome, MJ. You're welcome indeed. Uh, Noel Feeney there, President of the Ag Consultants Association and a few different areas there. So you have the knowledge transfer. That's towards the end of the year, starting next year, €750 Euro for the eight meetings. Still, it's still €750, Euro, um, you know, um, the way beef sheep farming is going. Hard to turn your nose up at any additional income. Uh, Suckler cow scheme there, €50 Euro a cow. That is disappointing. Definitely thought that was going to be 80 And there's a limit on cows as well. We'll have more on that in the coming weeks. Uh, the particulars haven't really been announced yet. They're only a broad area and maybe the farm organisations might put a bit of pressure on the department for additional funding on that but look when the figures announce it's announced and also acres that acre scorecard so not to be uh, worried about that it probably isn't going to affect us as much here in the midlands as the western counties uh, but uh, the deadline has been moved forward and should allow advisors to get the details in in time now coming up after the break we're talking about a fertilizer database where you will have to give your details when you're buying fertilizer going forward and also the new forestry scheme has been uh, given the green light by europe so we're going to hear about that in just a moment too do you need treatment or surgery? There's no need to wait or travel abroad. Receive treatment at Kingsbridge Private Hospital in Belfast or Ballykelly under the Northern Ireland Planned Healthcare Scheme at potentially no cost. Why wait? Text hello to 51777 or visit kingsbridgeprivatehospital.com for further information. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie and you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now, we have just received word this evening of the new forestry scheme. It's been given the green light over in Brussels 
and uh, Jason Fleming from the IFA is going to speak to me on it for just a moment. Uh, Jason, I know you're under a bit of time pressure this evening. I won't keep you long, but uh, we have finally got approval of this forestry programme after a number of months, expecting it at the start of the year. Are you happy? I suppose just to give a bit of background, what came out this evening, what, what, from my understanding, it's, it's just approved for about $308 million to support investment in, in, in afforestation. The, the full package is $1.3 billion, so... To say we're happy is, is, is we're not happy. To be fair, I mean that's the 1.3 billion package came out last November. It was supposed to be in by January. We're going after the first. Of, we are in August now, uh, and we've they're, they're bringing out a 3.3 only only 300 million of a, of a package to us. So uh, we're not happy, no. And There's what's no, no. the uh, what's the delay, uh, Jason? When do you expect the rest of the money to be given out? Well, Minister McConnell is saying uh, I think he said last week it could be two to three weeks. Um, no one seems to know. We need a bit of Clarity and what is 300 million? Uh, where is the rest of the money? What is the problems over? I know there was environmental issues uh, with the whole thing, but uh, uh, I mean, most European uh, countries have to have their program in since the 1st of January. We, like I say, we're in August now, we're only getting uh, a fraction of the money that, 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 that was supposed to be coming. It's fine to be, it's fine to be waking a package of one, 1.3 billion and bringing that out as the headline, but there's much point bringing out 1.3 billion package. If we don't, if we if we have access, and if us as farmers can't access it, yeah. Uh, so, is any area of it able to be accessed at the moment, uh, Jason? Or are we still, if if you want to get into this new forestry scheme, do you still have to sit tight, basically? I, I think that this three hundred, like I said, this this package, this this three hundred million that came in, I think that's, that's going to take a couple of weeks to 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 to, to, to be brought forward to, to the way farmers can draw it down. But but like I say, we, we have to get a bit of clarity around the whole thing, maybe over the next couple of days, because. Uh, the Department of the Minister seems to be coming out making headlines uh, with figures and they don't seem to, there seems to be no background to it. I suppose what we're looking for here, uh, we had a few, we met with the Department a number of the times on the forestry programme um, and look, I suppose, they're not listening, just to be fair, uh, we, we are looking, I suppose, within the programme, there is, especially Sick and Spruce side there, they're looking for a 35% of that site, to be, it's, it's, it's to be 20% of broadleaves and 15% for ecosystem, for um, Biodiversity. That's the thirty-five percent of any site that's unproductive, right? So, so just to, just to be clear, work. just to be clear on that, uh, Jason. Say, for example, you had uh, ten acres and you wanted to yes. plant it. You're going to have to leave thirty-five percent, three and a half acres of that is going to have to be left for biodiversity. So you're really only going to have six and a half acres out of ten that you're going to have trees in. Yeah, you but you only get the, the the premium for the twenty years on on that uh, six and a half or the t- or the three and a half acres. But the problem is. When it comes to the 20 years, you fall off a cliff. That's mm. nothing. If that that land is is, is gone forevermore, and you, uh, you have to for generation generations to come, you have to replant. So that's a big problem with us. Secondly, I suppose the, the farmer, the farmer non-farmer rate. I mean, especially with these investment funds, uh, as we heard the start of the year, um, we had the likes of uh, Gresham House and, and investment funds coming to the, this country, and they're buying up land, and Quita were 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 managing the the the, the land and, and and the forestry forum. Uh, what's after coming out, which is disappointing as well, but the last couple of weeks, is the quality can draw down the premiums now without any investment funds. So I think what we're looking at here is is that we, we want uh, the minister and the department to support farmers to plant. We met targets before, we'll meet them again, but we need we need support and we need we need to be treated uh, with a bit of respect when it comes to forestry. I mean, we have we have a scenario there with forestry licensing where farmers are waiting three to four or five years for licensing over the last over the last two years. Last year it took eighteen months for a licensing for a license to get through the department, right? So and to have 
within the department the guidelines it's four months to get a license out from when it goes in so we need that uh, that four months they have to over to have to bring that into legislation the way that we when we send in a license tomorrow morning that we should have it out with four months and we'd be guaranteed of that and i suppose number four there is ash dieback i mean it's a big big problem for us that that there's no proper support there for ash dieback farmers these co-hearted farmers planted in good faith um, most of the plantations are, are dying if not dead so we need proper support packages to come in here to rep to support these farmers and if uh, and i suppose just mention one uh, the likes of the 20-year premium i mean these farmers are dealing with a dead crop so all we're looking for is 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 is, is a bit of compensation to take these trees out put uh, new trees in and 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 a 20-year premium and, and and a bit of compensation for uh, as well as that and i think the sooner that has done it, it might bring a small bit of confidence back into the sector because the, the confidence in the sector is completely gone out of it. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Jason. I'm going to let you go and I'm going to say thanks for joining me. But yeah, um, a, a, an amount done with a lot more to do, no question about it. Thanks, Jason. But just a quick one before you go. Um, on the premiums, right, there's a five-year difference between the, the investment and, and, and the farmer. And we're looking for that to be widened. And and uh, the premium as well for the for the money we want uh, a different premium for for for, for the investor compared to the farmer. For the simple fact is every 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 euro you give to the farmer that's 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 going to be spent in the local shop, the local economy, the local hardware store, and it's going to it's going to be filtered down to the schools, to the football teams, and it's going to keep rural 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 Ireland alive. And that's our big problem. If we if we're giving uh, state aid funds, which is which is uh, premium that comes into this country, to investment funds that are outside the country, it makes no sense at all. So just to finish up, what we're saying here is uh, support farmers to plant. We met targets before and we'll meet them again. Thanks. Many thanks, Jason. Uh, Jason Fleming there from the IFA and uh, uh, an impassioned pleader in relation to forestry. No question about it. I'm going to shoot on quickly to Amy Ford. Amy Ford is joining me from the Farmers Journal. Amy, many thanks for taking my call this evening. No bother, MJ. Uh, Amy, we are talking about fertiliser and in particular the fertiliser database. Now, you led with this story last week on the journal and we've seen a bit more detail about it over the course of the last week. Before we get into it, I saw something again on the journal, I think it was yesterday, that you're going to need an ID to buy fertiliser in the UK come the 1st of October. So we're getting into real draconian stuff now. Do we think we're going to end up there in Ireland, Amy? Uh, well, at the rate that we're going here, that um, we're going to have farmers will have a unique identifier number so um, for buying fertilizer. So it's sort of similar in one mm. way. Um, this fertilizer register or database, MJ, essentially farmers need to be registered on this by the first of um, first of September. So there's a month to go until farmers register. Um, I have to laugh sometimes, Amy, at these uh, these deadlines that are pulled out. Like, there's a vast majority of people aren't even on ag food, let alone it takes about two weeks to get it set up. And then they're meant to go and get this whole database thing all clicked up and running in the next four weeks when most people are gone on holidays. Kind of, you, you just wonder sometimes. Yeah, the timing of it, definitely. August is um, a crunch month, I suppose. Look, a lot of people take holidays in August. Um, so if there are issues, look, I'm sure we'll find them out. Um, I know the Department of Agriculture is having... Um, it'll have a, a stand at the ploughing that I've been told that um, it will answer farmer queries there and help with registration, but that's three weeks after the mm. deadline, so that's the kind of another funny one. Uh, but essentially, under this new database, which is established for under law, uh, if you're not registered by the 1st of September and you go out and buy fertiliser after that date, 
uh, you could be facing a fine. You're breaking the law, um, basically, because you need to be registered. Uh, and the ter- in terms of what needs to go on to that register is the quantity and type of fertilizer, as well as the date it was transferred to the farmer. And that all must be recorded, and, and merchants will have a role in this. And I suppose last year, MJ, or last year, earlier this year, um, you know, we saw farmers going up north to buy fertilizer because it was cheaper um so farmers importing fertilizer from northern ireland will also be legally obliged to register as a fertilizer economic operator uh, and to declare any imports from the north on that database um merchants will also have to register on it so they'll have to register and they'll record um the amount of fertilizer that's going to farmers um on it as well is the background of this, Amy, that the, the powers that be department feel that some people are spreading uh, more than they should? There is a requirement now of, of the amount you can spread by law on their land. Do they feel that people are, are breaking this and that's the background of this? Or do they just want to track it all and get a, a centralised kind of database of the amount we use? It's probably a more more of a clampdown on, on usage amounts, MJ, in terms of how much fertiliser is actually being bought, how much being spread. So under this new fertiliser database, sorry, it'll say, uh, say if I buy in however many tonnes, it'll tell me how much I have to declare by the end of the year, how much of that I have left in terms of closing stocks and how much I'm carrying forward into 2024. Um, so the department will have an idea of how much, fert- we'll know exactly, sorry, how much fertiliser is sitting in yards, um, which is the case. And Farmers then will have they've a deadline from next year to declare it uh, the month after, basically. So um, if you buy fertilizer on, say, the 31st of January next year, by the 15th of February, you need to have that. Uh, so the merchant must submit your data by the, the 15th of February um, to ensure you're complying with it. So it'll be very interesting to see how it works out. Um, and, and compliance with the but I'd say the department will obviously be put, putting a massive push on um, for farmers to register whether if you're only buying a couple of bags um, for spreading or if you're buying, buying higher tonnages uh, any farmer that's using fertiliser including lime is going to need to register for this by the 1st of September Yeah, uh, big changes no question about it Amy, I'm going to say many thanks for joining me here on the programme and we'll speak to you again at some stage No problem MJ Uh, Amy Ford there from the Farmer's Journal and that database is going to be up and running in a month so I suppose what I will say to you is don't uh, stress in relation to it if you don't understand what ag food is or if you don't know what it is there are people out there lots of people who can give you a hand it is a fairly straightforward process to register for you need your PPS number you need some details and then a number gets sent to you in the post and then you log on And even if you don't have a computer or you don't know how to work one, that's okay. You can still have an account. And then when you go and buy your fertilizer, the merchant can enter the details for you. So uh, I know when people are listening, if they're not very tech savvy or they don't have a computer or a smartphone, they get a bit worried about all these things and they kind of think to themselves, I won't be able to buy fertilizer going forward. That won't be the case. Uh, You'll be able to get some help at the start registering for the ag food and then it's it'll be kind of done automatically going forward. It's a little bit like your online herd register. The blue book, for example, you don't really need to keep that blue book anymore. There's no really, you don't need to keep that blue book at all if you're registered online, even if you don't even own a computer, it'll all be done automatically. So uh, don't be worried on that side of things. But uh, yeah, I'd I'd say we won't be too far off what they're saying in England about ID for fertiliser. It's a real, real crackdown on it. And uh, we are getting into real nanny state stuff. Last week, actually, I saw, I meant to read it to you. It was on the Farmer's Journal, but I didn't have a chance. It was where 
the uh, amount of turf that you're going to use in your house could potentially be counted. Uh, I saw it just as we were leaving and I just didn't have time to read it and I said to myself, uh, are people going to come in and start counting the sods now out in the shed and make sure uh, you don't go over your quota? That seems to be the way we're going. It's uh, it's almost laughable, some of these things. Now, coming up after the break, we're talking to Claude Doyle. She's from Country Life Museum in County Mayo and we're talking all about the Festival of Lunasa which is uh, the ancient Celtic festival which takes place at this time of the year. And we're going to hear about that in just a moment, so stay tuned. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. And you're welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now I have Claude Doyle from Country Life Museum in County Mayo on the line. Claude, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Thanks a million. It's nice to be here. Thanks. We spoke back in February, uh, Claude, here in the programme. It was about St. Bridget and the Imbulg Festival. Uh, yesterday was the 1st of August, the traditional start of autumn, and with it, another Celtic festival, this time Lunasa. What is the background of this for us, uh, Claude, and why do we need to be cognizant of it in agriculture? I think in agriculture, certainly all the festivals are really based on the land and and the reaping of the land's bounty, you know, so it's mm. kind of, it's very much, um, it's very much, sorry, I think there's an echo on the line. <laughs> no, you're fine. No, 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 no volume is fine. Totally, yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, no, it's just that, um, so oh. it's the, it's the taking in of the harvest. This is the real time. It's the start of the autumn festival and it's the start of the first of Lunasa. The first of August is really that start of autumn. And that's the harvest period. So we're taking everything that the land, we're going to reap everything now. And so by the end of it, it comes to Halloween and we've got pretty much everything in, including every berry, every apple, every piece of fruit, or mm. any nuts, everything is gathered. So that's why even by the time it comes to Halloween, you've got all the nuts and apples and everything associated with um, with kind of that festival. But the... The 1st of August is Lunasa and it's coming from the word for Lou, which is the god Lou, um, where we get County Louds from. And um, he's, Lou was this kind of um, amazing, kind of dexterous, like, god. And um, he was able to, like, he was, you know, multi-talented and multi um, he could do anything and any sporting achievement. And as a result, we kind of have, we celebrate Lunasa as his name. Now, he's also known for killing Balor, his evil um, grandfather, Balor of the Evil Eye. And that's associated with Sligo and there's been many places associated with Lou. But anyway, that's, he gives his name to Lunasa. And we have some of the things associated with um, the time might be sports gatherings and the Chalton games and other types of games that would be kind of in need there that would be associated going back to that time. Now, but just in terms of the agriculture, it's all about metals. It's all about working together, bringing in harvests. And that's still so much part of the traditional um, reaping in and gathering hay, binding things, you know, like wrappers and everyone working mm-hmm. very late at night and people working field by field. But years ago it would have been about, you know, creating haystacks or, you know, gathering in corn and making, we have 
like great film footage of making a straw rope granary with coils of straw rope and then putting the grain in and keeping it there as a safe place to keep and dry grain on land. Um, So yeah, it's about taking that in and making sure you gather the harvest in. And then the first sheaf and the last sheaf are quite important. So the first sheaf, you know, um, it's very, sometimes people deposited that as a kind of a start of everything, you know, and the start of what you're going to bring in. And you have to remember you've gone through hungry July, the worst month of the year, because there's really nothing. You're kind of looking at the, the crops, but you can't actually get them in, you know. So hungry July is was known, or Ool and Gertha, uh, I think, as well. Um, but, um, yeah, so then you take in the crops and the last sheep that's cut... Sometimes there was kind of like men trying to show off and trying to, if you have the old sickles years ago, that you could throw and see who could throw it uh, from a distance and and knock down the last sheaf. But that last sheaf became the kalyak, which is um, very important. It would kind of be decorated and it almost embodied the harvest in the, the last sheaf. And sometimes it was left and brought to a high place for ceremonies and different things. But usually it was often left on the church altar. But it was great belief that it was that power of the harvest in it and power of the earth. And almost a bit like dollies and harvest dollies uh, or corn dollies. They, it's the idea of a female embodiment of the harvest is often in the, the last sheaf. But anyway, that last sheep was often believed to be able to find a drowned body, but it would because it would be thrown into the water and it would probably follow a current and would lead to a drowned body. So there was a great belief in powers of it. Um, and the other thing about, um, the other thing for farmers, I suppose, as well, and for the land is um, one of the things was there wasn't very much time off. So it's either the first Sunday, last Sunday of August, or the oh, first Sunday of August or the last Sunday of July. It was known as Garland Sunday, it was known as, um, you know, um, Flower Sunday, Bilberry Sunday. It was like gathering berries was part of it, but also going up um, to high places. It was a day off from working on the land and it was kind of a day for celebrating. And that's why we think of dancing at Lunasa and a festival. But it's also about prayer. So like when you think of all the places, even wells like in Mead there, there'd be Patrick's Well, Ladies' Well, St. Kieran's Well. And all of these are lunacy times, 15th of August or the 1st of August. But we're starting into a time of pilgrimage patterns in the community to holy sites or grave Sundays. And, you know, and then you've got um, and then you've got these gatherings on high areas. So it was either gatherings at lakes or gatherings on hilltops. And these are these go back to pagan times, these gatherings, not necessarily a time for like the alternate of bonfires, but just these gatherings. And like the thing is now we talk about um, Clan Crowpatrick is because Crowpatrick was the holy mountain in County Mayo. That and other mountains were designed to be climbed as they were lunacy sites firstly. So they're kind of associated with gatherings around this time anyway, which is exactly the time where it becomes Reek Sunday there last uh, the other day. But yeah, so it's, a, it's really important, I suppose, just to make sure that we um, take in a lot of the you go to these gatherings but also there was a sense that there'd be matchmaking and then there'd be fighting and there'd be different things and like you know Lamas Fair is another time and fairs and 
gatherings were really popular, but sometimes they kind of picked these high areas because all the old people and the very young couldn't get there. So <laughs> couldn't get up the mountain. So it was like for young people to kind of do courting and dancing and I was going to say, Claude, it was, there was, yeah, there was matchmaking, there was fighting, there was a bit of sport, a bit of crack, I suppose. That's what people were, were, were looking for, a bit of entertainment. Claude, and I there should, was a bit I of should, faction I, fighting. And I was just going to say the one thing as well for farmers and for so many people in this country was all these, the hiring fairs, Lamas Fair, all these harvest fairs were all about setting yourself out to be hired out for for working in Scotland or working on farms. You know, this is the time where people were picked to go to the big farms in County Meath, you know, or they were selected from yeah, the West. There were and, re- recruitment, fa- recruitment fairs. There were recruitment will, Claude. fairs. Exactly. Claude, I'm going to have to. Been, I'm going to yeah. have to leave yeah. it. Leave it there. I'm going to say really many, many thanks. Look, a lovely rundown there. Not at all. And uh, look, we will. We'll speak to you again on the program. Many yeah, thanks, Claude. Yeah, thanks a million. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Uh, Claude Doyle there from the Country Life Museum in County Mayo, and what a great rundown there on. Lunasa and all of these festivals as Claude has said hugely hugely important for agriculture and they're all agriculture and farming is at the, the base it's the foundation stone of all of these old festivals these ancient festivals and uh, one line that uh, Claude has said there people taking the power from the earth and that's a lovely thing to say now that's it for this evening's programme I want to thank all my guests the show is repeated Sunday morning 7am till 8am get us wherever you get your podcast type in MJ space Cleary C-L-E-R-Y and we'll pop up I'll be back with you this time next week and we'll speak then Good night. God bless. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. WOrshaw.ie